0: Welcome back to yet another episode of the Theme. It is I, Shannon, and I am joined as always by my co-hosts, Andrea and Fred. Andrea, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you, Shannon. How are you doing? Well, uh, my throat hurts a little bit, and I'm doing my best, and I'm very tired, but otherwise I'm good. Thank fantastic. you for asking. Fred. How are you doing? We're not going to forget you. How are you?
1: I am doing just fine and dandy. Thank you very kindly.
0: Happy to hear it. Always good to know everyone's surviving and thriving. We sound very sarcastic, but we're actually like... No, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're having a good time. Like, we've been talking a while. we are having a great time. Everything's going great. Like, we're, we're in two completely different times of day. I see you guys have light outside. It's I do two
1: thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday here, which would make it what five thirty in the evening for you.
0: Fred was picking on me because I said it's the evening, and he said it's not evening until six. But what he doesn't know is that it is pitch black outside.
1: Well, in the summertime, would you say it's evening at five thirty and it's still bright out? No, I probably, probably would.
0: I pro- me personally probably would,
1: But your argument is now moot. <laughs>
0: Mood <laughs> Whoa. Whoa This is, this is um, how this
2: episode's going to go He's coming go for my
0: life it's, gonna <laughs> it's going to be moot It's going to be moot Memed. We were also talking about cows a few minutes ago So
1: yes. moot um, we, we have an ice cream parlor called Moose Just so ooh. you know
0: We used to have an ice cream Like mini chain called Maggie Moose it was dang good ice cream, but I don't know if they exist anymore. I haven't seen them in a mile. That's how good they were. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Listen, cows, you can have remember. an excellent product and still fail as a business. Yeah, that's very true. Ice cream is tough here. Yeah. I mean, as you guys know, you also live in the north. A lot of ice cream places um, don't operate in the fall and winter months here. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's some that go all year round, but they, the ones that are successful tend to do more than just one kind of dessert. Or they're good at mixing and matching, or they do warm desserts.
1: Here, our, our biggest um, chain for desserts, uh, or ice cream in general, is um, Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen Same. is very, very popular in the summer, obviously, for, for, for all the reasons you believe it is. And in the shoulder seasons and in the winter, what they big carry through with is um, their ice cream cakes
0: yes our our biggest you guys wouldn't know this uh outside Dairy Queen is Rita's and Rita's sells water ice
1: never heard of a Rita's Um,
0: yeah it's very regional because again they sell water ice you can't get water ice as that name anywhere else that's just us we're silly (laughs) <laughs> it's Italian ice. If you know what Italian ice is, that's water ice.
1: We get Hawaiian shaved ice here, which is
0: that's damn probably good. that's probably like a similar, like a diff a different take on a similar thing. Yeah, we're here talking about desserts. That's how well we're do- we're going we're doing right now on the tight beam but We digress. We should we should come up with a dessert podcast. Every oh name every Expanse character's favorite dessert. Just kidding. Lasagna.
1: Um, Whoa,
0: what? <laughs> D- dessert lasagna. <laughs> Layers of like cookie pieces and candy and ice cream.
1: Maybe we like just invented something.
0: Time. Epic. Oh, God. Do not. Re- epic mealtime takes me back. Yeah. Showing my age. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> they probably enough- did a candy lasagna. They let's be honest.
0: Did. Well, no, it was a bacon lasagna. And you know it. Because all they ever did was bacon
1: yeah.
0: and um, baconese. Bacon Enough about food and enough about dessert We are here to talk about the second episode Of season 6 The Azure Dragon um, Or the Azul Dragon Which is still correct, Fred I won't let that go Andrea was right and you know it (laughs) For for all you
1: Microsoft admins I can't stop but look at Microsoft Azure When I see the Azure (laughs) Dragon Oh yes It's uh (laughs) Yeah This this cross-pollination is is odd for me. (laughs)
0: Cross-pollination. (laughs) Cross-pollination. All right. Random cross-pollination. So uh, (laughs) the episode is called The Azure Dragon, which you might remember from last week's episode as the Marco's Rock Spotter ship. And here's our little bit of uh, trivia slash, like, inspiration uh for this title that we found so the azure dragon also known as xin long in chinese forgive me if that's incorrect but i did my best to research uh is one of the dragon gods who represent the mount or underworld forces of the five forms of the highest deity he is also one of the four symbols of the Chinese constellations, which are the astral, presenta- astral representations of the Wufang Shangdi. The Azure Dragon represents the East and the Spring Season. It is also sometimes referred to as the Blue-Green Dragon, Green Dragon, or the Blue Dragon. Oh, snap. Andrew's oh, right. snap. <laughs> Uh, The dragon is frequently referred to in the media, uh, feng shui, other cultures, and in various venues as the Green Dragon and the Avalon Dragon. His cardinal directions epithet is Blue Green Dragon of the East. And as always, like, our source is Wikipedia. So, like, if you're more educated on this, if if you're, you know, part of a culture that, like, knows more about this, we'd love to hear from you. You'll hear about how to contact us from Andrea later in the episode. Um, the uh, the the Azure Dragon is also the name of the Free Navy spotter ship, as we said, which watches for UNN fleet movement and throws rocks fitted with Epstein drives accordingly To keep them pinned down protecting Earth Which again is what we learned in last week's episode And it is a ship in the books as well Yeah.
1: Awesome, and this episode is written by Daniel Abrams and Ty Frank Um, It is directed by Jeff Wolno In brief, as Drummer makes a difficult decision concerning her crew She learns of Marco's secret supply depots and hatches a new plan Marco's disappointment and Philip becomes clear as Philip tries to make things right. Bobby joins the Rossi crew on their mission to locate the Azure Dragon. Avasarela commissions Monica for a new project. Kara tries to save uh, the baby sunbirds. And in this new title sequence, um, it continues to amaze. Be sure to watch every intro as they change from episode to episode. Uh, so Shannon, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What is different in this one?
2: She's going to murder you
1: And I, if you're <laughs> going
2: to murder me
0: I, I well, won't
1: put you on the spot And I'll say let's put a pin in this And let's we'll talk about it um, In our overall season breakdown yeah. and I In have a couple two episodes
0: things. I do have two things I can talk about Sure um, So as as I mentioned in the previous episode You can see something going on Around the ring station This time there's slightly more detail uh, but you still don't really know what's what's going on. There's just clearly something happening around the ring station. Also, and I didn't mention this in, in the last episode. Because I don't remember if it happened in the first episode's opening titles. But I did notice it when I was taking notes for the second episode. Uh, in that shot that's been in every single season. Um, you know, we originally had Holden. He was floating out by what appeared to be a planet. I think it was Saturn. Um, now he's floating out by the ring And I don't remember He probably was floating out by the ring In previous seasons as well But this time If you watch the ring space You can see the red lights In the ring space That you saw when the Heath Went through the ring mm-hmm. so, it's, uh, so then when it cuts to Holden Looking like really stressed out In the next shot It's like oh no The disappearing ship's Uh, So I I really like that little touch. But those are the things I can remember off the top of my head. Um, Because as I said, in the last episode, I forgot to write down the changes. So uh, I still haven't done that.
1: No, no, I still think this would be a good idea to to capture everything from episode one through six in that mm-hmm. breakdown, just so we can capture all the the, the minute changes as that title sequence changes. Uh, I'll get changes. you
0: next time, Fred. I'll have you next time. I promise. I will
1: put you on the <laughs> spot every time.
0: <laughs> all right. I'll so know that's... to be ready, though. Uh, maybe she'll forget. <laughs> don't I'm don't don't say that. <laughs> Yeah, All
2: right, <laughs> so let's get to the episode breakdown. So we're going to start off this time by talking about the Rosinante. So Shannon, take it away.
0: Lots of action. Here we go. As the Rossi is resupplied, Bobby comes aboard with a new plan to deal with the Azure Dragon. They will board and take the data to see what it can tell them. Naomi doesn't like the plan, and Holden is able to tell that Avicerala chose them for an easy win that won't blow back on her. Amos tells Bobby about Clarissa, but Holden defends Amos's choice. Holden asks Bobby to help him look into the ships going missing in transit. As they come across the Azure Dragon, they're spotted, and Holden has to chase her down. Bobby uses an EMP to shut the ship down, but Naomi has a panic attack when it's time for her and Clarissa to join her. Clarissa goes ahead, which worries Holden, but they carry on. Clarissa is forced to use her mods to save Bobby, leaving Holden and Amos to finish the mission. Holden and Amos? Did I say Bobby? I meant Holden. You know what I mean. Yeah. They see the true scale of Marcos's plan. Marcos' plan, Jesus. To keep the UN pinned down. Later. Holden admonishes Clarissa for not allowing, not following the chain of command, and she's touched when he refers to her as part of the crew. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read as fast as I can. It was killing me. My throat's dying. I gave you the the one ship that you want to talk about, and this I is know, how you I'm do so me. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and you know what, listeners? I did not ask her to do that. She was very kind to just say, hey, I'm just so you know, I'm going to have you talk about the Rossi today. But my, my throat is just not... I'm try- focusing so hard on not letting my voice break that I'm forgetting how to read.
1: So what part do you want to unpack first? Maybe let's talk about the, um, the, uh, the attack and the boarding mm. of the Azure dragon. We obviously, we have, um, Bobby doing that incredible leap of faith jump. Yeah. Um, and she does, does land it, uh, which is fantastic. Um, the whole episode be shot if she didn't. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> but then the, the the second leap of faith is the one that um, uh, Naomi needs to do, and she's not able to do it. And mm-hmm. Cla- Clarissa uh, uh, takes that for her, um, and against the the wishes of of Holden, or at least Holden wished she had communicated that uh, before making that um, commitment.
0: Yeah, there's a really nice touch. Um... That I noticed the first time I watched it, when Clarissa jumps, you know, um, and and she says, you know, Naomi has a technical issue. You hear holding, kind of panic. Yes. In over the comms and just say like, you know, what what happened? Is she okay? Like you know, whatever. And you know, she says, oh, it's a technical issue. Like which, first of all, Clarissa doesn't necessarily know what happened, but the fact that she if even if she thinks Naomi froze she covers and says, no, it was a technical issue. Um, Shows that even though Naomi is still, you know, not happy about Clarissa being there, Clarissa will still like do her best to do right by her. And part of that is because she did try to strangle Naomi to find out where Holden was. Um, (laughs) she She probably feels she has a lot to make up for, but, you know, she has this opportunity. And what's really nice about it is, you know when Naomi goes back to the the ops deck to watch the mission, and you can hear everybody talking over the comms. Uh, when she sees Clarissa struggling, she doesn't even hesitate. She starts telling Clarissa what to do, and not in like a commanding way. She she genuinely helps her. She's like Clarissa, when you get to the box, you want to look for this cable, and then she sees it. And she goes that one, that one right there, and it's like she works together with Clarissa. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with with, She probably heard Clarissa tell Holden That it was a technical issue and not
1: Well, if you know. Naomi didn't help It's not going to help anyone you know No, what I
0: mean? absolutely, yeah So
1: I'm glad that she did that And then just if we zoom out just a second here, I, I, and we, we do know that Holden gets very mad at Clarissa later in the episode for um, taking that initiative without communicating it properly uh, or asking for permission, but that being said, when you make a military plan, there's always a, a second or third uh, tier, whichever, yeah. so if something goes wrong, someone else is going to take over that particular role, um, mm-hmm. so I'm surprised that uh, they didn't have that protocol in place Uh, For this particular mission I'm sure Bobby would have done that If she was um, a a true Marine Leading this combat mission
0: Well I think part of it is like I don't think anyone expected Clarissa To be in charge of anything And I don't think anybody knew the extent To which Naomi was having an issue Um, Because that's the thing It kind of hits you real fast Like I don't think even Holden knew That that was something that would be an issue Until it comes up um so naomi probably he probably you know we don't see the plan the actual planning phase which i would have liked to see but we don't know like he could have said naomi like are you good if you if we have to do this are you okay and she was probably like yeah yeah yeah, i'm fine uh, but of course like you know you get there and you're like you know what never mind panic attack
1: yeah even that being said like you know they could have done some practice runs or whichever and naomi could have done some um evas to just Go outside of the Rossi for whatever reason, but that idea of jumping from one ship to another uh, yeah. might have been the the triggering piece, not just being um, outside. Per se. Oh
0: no, yeah, that's what I th- I do think it was the jump. That was the yeah. issue, hundred percent. It was the jump because that's when it was time to jump. That's when you know she flashes back and she sees the Chet. She doesn't even see the Azure Dragon. Yeah. Um. So it absolutely is. It's the jump that's the issue, and I you know. Naomi and Holden have proven time and time again that sometimes they don't actually talk about their feelings, even though they should. Mm-hmm. And so there's a good chance he doesn't know the extent of her trauma. She might not even know the extent of her, her trauma. So, it, it, you know, it's a shame it had to manifest yeah. at that point. But it did lead to one of my favorite moments of the episode um, when they finally got on and, and Holden checked in with her um I really loved their back and forth uh when he said to her are you really all right or not ready to talk about it all right and when she said the second one he just went okay and left it and I I like
2: her honesty though because Mm -hmm. she has always been so closed off and like and she tries to be strong for everybody uh always tries to keep everybody together and she can't do that right now and she does need the support although she doesn't wanted at the moment she's honest enough to hold in to say it's a second one but let's just leave it at that I'm not ready to Mm -hmm. talk about it right now and and that's that's I like I appreciate that
0: yeah and you see her kind of clock that too when he says okay and keeps working there's like a silent moment where you just see Naomi and you kind of see her process that he just he didn't push and he let her have the moment that she needed. And I, I really like that because it's kind of like a culmination of her finally opening up to him in season five, like completely opening up to him. And now they have he has this ability where, like, you know, she can be honest with him. And even if he can tell she like isn't is maybe, you know, not telling the full truth or whatever, he's not going to push her because yeah. he knows he knows she'll tell him if she wants to. And I love that for them. That's amazing. It's really good
1: so all that being said um if naomi did go across and clarissa stayed behind we don't know if um it would have been successful uh because clarissa went she was able to intervene uh during a critical moment and save bobby's life
0: Mm -hmm. i think she was she i think she was still supposed to go i think um naomi was just in charge of shutting the ship down
1: so sure fair enough but i kind of got that impression of um if clarissa didn't go and it didn't go the way that it went mm-hmm. um, from what amos says to her in the med bay mm-hmm. that um you you saved bobby's life um because you were there in that right moment
0: yeah i and love is...
2: that so. the the protectiveness and the reassurance that she is doing the right thing although yeah. then holden comes in and says no you have to go through me it's like it's still that nice moment and i love the fact that like holden is like can I talk to her for a minute? He's like, sure. Why not? I'm, I'm word listening. I, I love that so yeah. much.
0: It was the nicest dressing down too. Like yeah. Holden was not mean about it at all. He's just like, like next time, please just talk to me. Yeah. Like really appreciate it. Like it would, it would be really great for me to know what's going on. And that's it. And it was, so when Amos was like, you know, he just got in trouble, right? I was like, did she, <laughs> he was like really chill about the whole thing. He said I was part of the crew. <laughs> yeah, that was so sweet. Yeah. That's the one thing I really like about this this episode is kind of establishing like Holden doesn't necessarily have a, a difficult relationship with Clarissa. It seems like it's more like they don't know how to deal with each other, mm-hmm. but like he he doesn't have a huge problem with her being there. I and I got a kick out of that scene when he called her to tell her to stay in her room and just went peaches and you see him think about it, just go, "Oh god." I yeah. love that. And then when she answered, she's like, Alden? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's really, like, it was very funny, but it's also, like, kind of showing that he doesn't necessarily know how to how to deal with her and how to talk to her. And that kind of informs his conversation with her later that he was like, I was treating you like you were a favor, but you're really part of the crew now. And I, I really appreciated that conversation between them.
1: Yeah, that kind of... Um if you expand on that a little bit they've been a crew for six months or she's been on board for six months so that must mean that holden was relaying orders to her through amos mm-hmm. or just ignoring her altogether which i'm glad they finally addressed the the elephant in the room kind of idea it's about time yeah and but he maybe definitely... they were waiting for that catalyst
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, he did something for I, I I think the way that Holden sees it is that she did something good for Naomi. Like she stepped up when Naomi couldn't for obvious reasons. And he appreciated that. And like the other thing is that as Holden admits to Clarissa is I I saw you as cargo. I saw you as another burden. And I shouldn't see a member of my ship, a member of my crew as a burden. You're you're part of the reason why we're where we are at right now.
0: And, and it was a it was a nice moment. I get the vibe that it might not necessarily be that Holden was ignoring Clarissa, but he probably was prioritizing Naomi uh for the last six months. Um for one reason or another. And so he just kind of, like, let Amos and Clarissa do their thing. But now we're getting to the point where, like, they have to act like a team because they're actually doing, like, team life stuff. life things. Yeah. And rather than, like, her just helping Amos and him seeing as, like, well, Amos wanted to bring her along and I trust Amos. So, like, I'm not going to argue with him about it and things like that. It's like, no, like, I, like, you know, she really is a part of this crew. Yeah. And you know Na- Naomi doesn't want to be focused on or whatever. Uh, she wants me to give her her space so like I can take the time to start paying more attention to what whatever is going on with Clarissa. Um, especially since again like she, they scared the they scared the hell out of him uh, with whatever was going on. So like I bet he was just like you know I really should. And I think also the fact that like you know the way. Amos revealed that she was on the ship to Bobby kind of probably made Holden realize he couldn't keep like keeping these entities separate anymore so he he had to acknowledge that they were all crew especially since he sees the crew falling apart what's the point in in contributing to that so like maybe start treating everyone like crew Because, like, everybody's kind of falling apart. And if there's any way you can bring them together as a captain, you should be doing that. And so it's a really good scene of them. I mean, I I just really liked him trying to figure out how he's supposed to talk to her in that first scene. But it's just so nice that at the end of the episode, he's able to figure out what he needs to say to her. Um, And it's really nice. And it it was cute to see her get all choked up uh, and, and laughing. Because uh, the first time she met Holden, she laughed too, and here she is laughing because it's him accepting her as part of the family. Yeah, I like that a lot.
2: No, it was a great moment and interaction between those yeah. two. Yeah,
0: I will say though, it was tough the first watch because of the the editing. It was hard to even tell Bobby was being attacked in that scene from another angle. I, I had, had to, to watch it. it yeah. yeah. It was a little weird because I remember I watched it with, um, a couple of friends who, who also press screeners and I, I noticed it first. So like they were arguing about it and I waited till they come down. I was like, guys, I think I figured it out. And then I, I showed them like, you can, you can see the guy approaching from Clarissa's point of view, not necessarily ours, but you don't see that change. So it's very weird, but, um, yeah, it ended up being a good thing Clarissa was there because Bobby would have bit it. Yep. <laughs> it would not have been pleasant. Yeah, and that that map is scary.
2: Yeah, so we saw the map that was in the um, trailer that we analyzed, so they know that they've hit the jackpot. Um, so now it's... Now the... Whole entire thing that they have to do Is unpack it what does it mean What exactly are they looking at But they seem to have found a lot of useful Information about Marco's Strategic planning mm-hmm. Yeah
0: Alright so, anything
2: like, else about the Rossi
0: Naomi is definitely Not okay guys no, uh, She, she was even ready to fight With Bobby Yep. Things are not good fam
1: They need to go to Maui in the after everything's fixed. They got to
0: go to Titan. Yeah. The 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 uh resort planet or the resort moon. Maybe. <laughs> go get maybe. S- go get some drinky drinks. Reconnect. Yo, they should have one of those leadership retreats or those oh, uh what do they yeah. call them? Yeah, you know the ones where you like do trust falls and and ice nah. breakers.
2: <laughs> Something would break. It would be with- nice.
0: Listen, you know Holden would love doing trust falls. He would love to just catch everyone and prove to them that he loves them. Meanwhile, everyone just lets him fall.
2: Amos would love it.
0: Amos would love letting that dude fall. And anyone who thinks otherwise is lying to themselves. Oh, my.
2: All right. So now we jump from the uh, Rocinante crew to the Pella. So, Philip is imprisoned on series for shooting Yuan, but Marco forces, and uh, I'm going to butcher the name, uh, Sandriani.
0: I, I, I hope I put the right name in there, but it, yeah. I think it's Sandrani.
2: Yeah, so, okay, okay. Yeah, um, so, Marco forces Sandrani to free him. Marco doesn't punish him, but he does tell him off, calling him an embarrassment and implying he blames Philip for Sin's death. As Marco tries to find ways to get supplies to Medina, Rosenfield gives him advice on what to do with Philip, but also tells him he needs to focus on their mission. When Philip tries to compensate Yuan's family, she sees his compassion and agrees to send supplies. He tells them that Yuan died honorably in service of the Free Navy. Marco learns of the capture of the Azure Dragon and realizes that Earth and Mars will come for Ceres. He hatches a plan. So, Philip, Philip, Philip. Obviously, there are some minor repercussions for his actions, but again, nothing too big because Daddy has a lot of the persuasion in Ceres, so he's let off. Um, A lot easier than any other person would have been let mm. off If they would have killed somebody Um, But we do see that regret That we talked about in episode one He is regretful of the death of his friend Um, And when he is in his room Trying to formulate a message to his family He tries to be as honest as he can During the first time he's saying it um uh, but then he he just kind of lies like marco wood tries to play it off as like this this heroic death um and they should be proud and he did everybody proud and um it's really interesting because he is taking notes from his dad um regardless of how mean his dad is being to him in regards to the whole entire situation but i think that at this time like it almost feels like Marco is pushing him away, so that he doesn't have to deal with the like the responsibility of Philip and his reckless behavior.
0: I before I say anything, I do have to say there's a great line from Sandrani when Marco has Sandrani free uh, Philip. Sandrani says, <laughs> "We have laws." And it just reminded me of season one, no laws on series, only cops. Yeah. Uh, I just, it, it made me laugh because I was like, when did we get laws? I thought we only had cops on series. Um, but yeah, there's a, a lot to unpack between Philip and Marco in this episode. And the one thing that really struck me, you know, was that he very clearly, By the end of the episode, you know he he blames Philip for everything that happened with Naomi with Sin. Like he, first of all, Marco never takes responsibility, and if if he can use your guilt against you, he will. So rather than, I mean, first of all, it's also not Naomi's fault, but you know, he he could be blaming Naomi here, but because he wants Philip to know how disappointed he is in him and to to feel his disappointment to manipulate him in a different behavior he he keeps hitting on that fact on the fact that sin is dead because he knows Philip is going to read into it and it, it's gonna say sin is dead because of you and yeah. in his conversation with Rosenfeld too you know he's talking about his feelings about Philip and he basically implies it again like we've lost so much because of his choice to bring Naomi here amongst us and it's just like Dude, like, you can't, you still can't see it. You refuse to see it because you would rather blame everybody else than blame yourself or to look at what you've done to to cause the situations you find yourself in. It's always yeah. somebody else's fault. And the thing is, is that, like, Marco
2: is the type of guy who will do something but blame everybody else but himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the big issue. He does not... It's not that he doesn't see it. He manipulates the situation, so he is gaslighting everybody. Mm -hmm. And we said that even last season, that his gaslighting techniques are on point. And I hope nobody ever takes notes from Marco,
0: because he is terrible. He's terrible and terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, in the last episode, we talked about how they were talking about rationing series he has all these supplies. We see him trying to figure out how to get them to Medina. So it's not necessarily the fact that, you know, there, there is an issue with getting supplies places, but he doesn't want to give them to the people, the belt. He doesn't want to give them to the people of the belt, which I, you know, he told us was his whole thing that he was doing it for the people, of the belt that he was defending the people of the belt. But when it comes to helping the people of the belt, it's Oh no, they will sacrifice for the war effort. Yeah. They're very patriotic. They They're expendable. Will, yeah. They'll agree to Marco's rations. belt yep. is
1: the Free Navy.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: It is not Ceres. It is not Tycho. It is not Medina. It is the Free Navy. Is, and that effort.
0: Yep. And it is people who support him. Mm-hmm. Cause I we also are learning through another storyline that we're going to talk about more in a minute. Um we're learning that. There is a faction that originally aligned with Marco that is starting to break away and is starting to have a conflict with him and he's having to like systematically take them out or put them in such dead end positions that they can't do anything else to survive. And so like he he's clearly losing influence. Like people are clearly disappointed in the leadership that he claimed to be showing in yeah. the last 6 months. And he's choosing himself, his cause, and whatever is going on, you know, in the ring space over the people he claimed to be fighting for. And so people, when you do that, as it always goes, if you don't fulfill that promise, those people will start to turn on you. Yeah. And that's what's going on with Golden Bow. Golden Bow is starting to lash out. Because they feel they are not being shown the promise that Marco gave them, or they feel they are being mistreated because of dissidents. So you're going to have this issue where Marco is clearly going to start lashing out at dissidents, or you know, prioritizing his cause over the actual people he claims to be fighting for. And um, you know, he's he's so focused on this that you know, he has to be told to stop worrying about his son. Which I I love that everyone always tells him, can you just focus on the mission for five minutes, please? Um, Yeah. I love that Rosenfeld is not afraid of him. It's good that he finally has someone who will stand up to him again after, you know, Sin died. Um, Because the guy is also a mess. But he's blaming Naomi. He's blaming Philip. He's blaming dissidents. He's blaming literally everyone but his own lapse in leadership.
1: There's absolutely nothing wrong with his leadership from his point of view.
0: Yep, exactly. And
1: just to go back to the the comments that you were making a little earlier about he stands up on a soapbox and he shares his view of the belt. And it's mm-hmm. so intoxicating. Everyone wants to follow him. And we see the pitfalls of this even in today's politics. And we elect these leaders, be it American leaders, Canadian leaders, or the leaders of any other Democratic society Mm -hmm. When you get into power And you don't put your money Where your mouth is And you don't follow through On those promises We're not going to believe you Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to see With Golden Bough It's what you're going to see With the population on Ceres And and everyone else that he alienates Mm -hmm. And his his own uh, Free Navy Is going to suffer the same um, corruption and toxic environment And it's going to fall apart And crumble beneath his feet If he yep. doesn't do something about it
0: Yep There's a, a really interesting conversation He has with Rosenfeld And I'll read it very quickly um, Marco said I love him and She said that word means different things to different people I'm sure my uncle loved me In his own way You love Philip But that could mean you pity him Or you envy him Or miss him i need him i need him to be the man he should be are you planning on staying angry with him until then i only ask because i think you have more important things to be worried about like our war and there's a lot to unpack there because marco loves what you can give him yeah i think she sees that i think rosenfeld Clearly sees that when he says, I love Philip, he doesn't, you know, he has his own meaning for that. And she's not, like, reading into what it is, like, because she clearly gives options. But she sees what we see in that, and what Naomi told Philip in that he he loves an idea of you. He does not mm-hmm. love you. So his affection for his son is conditional yeah. on what his son comes to on if his son is going to act the way he wants his son to act exactly if he's not the ideal son that he expects him
2: to be then this is where he gets pushed away that this is the moment that I don't like you and we see that like we do see it in season five where when Philip is in line and he's doing what daddy wants him to do Marco will love him. Marco will show him affection. But the moment that he starts deviating from what Marco wants him to do, that's the moment that he lashes out and pushes him away. Yep. Um, and that will be a very big problem.
0: Yep. I wrote here, um, Rosenfeld can see Marco cares more about how Philip's actions reflect on him than Philip's actual feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what she's telling him. Like that, that's what matters to him is how, cause he specifically asks her about the gossip. It, so, if you're more focused on the gossip than how your son is doing, you're clearly more worried about how your son's behavior reflects on you than and you are that's about your the son. the problem. He didn't, like, go to, to ask him how he was doing. Like, his, he just killed his friend. He's clearly been, you know, acting out as Marco keeps treating it. And it's like, how about you just sit down and talk to your son if you love him? Talk to him about what, what he's going through. But, no, you're just going to yell at him. You're going to like call him an embarrassment. You're going to continuously, you know, blame him for the death of like a foster parent of his, like a a fellow parent. And you're just going to keep going. And if if you can't stop to care about your son's feelings when he's clearly not okay, when you want him on your side, you're not going to get him on your side because you're not bothering to try. Yeah. You think your anger is going to bring him around. Like, I mean, I've been in situations like that where, like, I would get yelled at to get put in my place. And it's like, if you just stopped and talked to me for a second, I'd be able to tell you what's wrong. But you're too busy thinking that yelling at me is going to fix the problem. Yeah. Or trying to make me feel bad for something that maybe I could not control is going to fix whatever problem I literally could not control. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. You can't. That's not how it works. He thinks calling Philip an embarrassment is going to fix the problem that's causing Philip to act out. He's dead wrong. It's yeah. not going to happen. But you know, Philip doesn't care—or not Philip. Marco doesn't care because it's no. not about Philip. It's not about Philip's feelings. It's not about any of it. It's about him. It's about his war. His self-centered nature. Yep, and it's about catching drummer and the Rossinante, like. <laughs> That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about how Philip's doing. He doesn't care whatever's going on there. Also, because he's upset that Philip's like gave into the weakness of his mother, which we talked about at length in last season, how he feels like this emotionally compromised place is weak. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing. Like, he doesn't care about it because it's weakness. And it's just hard to watch Philip go through this and know that like, and that's why I appreciated Rosenfeld when he came to her. And she initially was like, we're not going to do that. They don't deserve anything. But then thinking about it, like, that's actually a good leadership thing to do. And her going, you know what, though? That's very gracious of you. So we'll give them supplies to help them. Like, because, yeah, it is a good leader thing to do. You want to help someone who will be put out by the loss of their son. Yeah. And so you can do that. And, you know, I think she sees that he is a good person deep down and he he's trying But there's something going on and, you know, she's not one to like lecture Philip. He's not her son. Mm -hmm. But she at least when he does the right thing, she'll support it. And at least he has someone in his corner in that sense. I also liked her joke about like, yo, go make him swim in a recycling recycler tank. Um, Because, yeah, that's what they made me do when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's there's a lot to unpack here. It's a lot of subtext in in this storyline. But, you know, Philip's really going through it. And it's a shame that there doesn't seem to be anybody who cares to find out what's going on. Because it's embarrassing. No one saw my eye roll. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and
2: in the end, it's Philip on his own. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the bottom line. He, He doesn't
0: have a support system. Nope, not with sin gone. No, sin was probably no. the only one who cared about like his feelings. Yeah, that's a shame.
2: Well, and I think that also like it's the the constant like I see Philip, I see Naomi mm-hmm. <laughs> that Marco is so yep. obsessed with. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And that's a huge problem. That yep. yeah, his son, but he comes with problems and baggage and. A it's Naomi's that, son, yeah. too. Yeah.
0: yeah. And and the fact that, like, Philip clearly got Naomi's compassion deep down. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he hates seeing that. I'm sure he hates, because he sees it as weakness, like I said earlier. So I'm sure he sees Philip having, struggling under the weight of what he did, like Naomi once did, after he used Naomi's codes to kill people. And he's probably like, you know what? I want nothing to do with this, just like he did to Naomi. And the books talked about that, too, how he kind of, like, when she started having emotional struggles over what happened, he just stopped coming home. Yeah. Like, it was horrible. She was so isolated because of, of you know, how she felt guilt. And now Marco is doing that to Philip. And it's so hard to watch because Philip just wants – all Philip has is his father. It just does not care no not at all no. all right
2: so a bunch of daddy issues for <laughs> sure in this in this particular point in the episode um so let's go to um another another group that's struggling emotionally uh, Drummer <laughs> action
1: all right, so Drummer meets with Golden Bow Captain Walker, whose faction has been clashing with Marco to uh, book Michio safe passage. When Walker lets slip that Marco has hidden supply depots, uh, she invites him aboard. Walker has no love for Marco, despite initially supporting him and his attacks on Earth. Drummer implies she wants to go for the supply depots with Golden Bow's help. I have to say I really enjoy this this team up um, And the way that it happened uh, Obviously they tried to get together Just so Michio can get a, a safe ride to uh, a safe harbor um, So mm. she could be off the ship I, I didn't like that part of it But I like how it brought them together um, to, to come up with a way of fighting back against um, Marco
0: mm-hmm. Yeah Uh, that conversation was really interesting too because they they managed to slip in a lot of like story stuff into like a casual line about what was going on on ganymede um how like he was like well the free navy is increasing security there's checkpoints everywhere it's harder to go to ganymede and it's like you know it's interesting that you bring that up (laughs) but i really it really tells you how things are going like as the free navy Takes more stations; it becomes harder to have free movement. Mm-hmm. And you would think for Belters that would be okay, but then you have Micho, who is clearly like part of Drummer's faction. It's going to be really dangerous if she can't make her way through a station. So it's it's not you know not
1: so much a free navy is it? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm looking straight into the camera <laughs> so Fred knows my my disappointment um, <laughs> in his puns. Um, but there's a lot of... Listen, Walker is a funny dude. Walker is a really funny dude. I, I love how, you know, when he comes on and drummer's trying to figure out why, you know, he doesn't like Mark. all of a sudden. He's just like, I think I intimidate him sexually. And Joseph's face when he said that made... Everything worth it. Yeah. Joseph was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I think what I thought was really interesting from their conversation was when they were, were talking about Ashford, um, and they were talking about how you know Marco managed to kill Ashford, who was a legend. Mm-hmm. And Walker says, you know, or he, she, you know, drummer asked him about Marco again, and he says, the great Marco anaros Uh, with his pretty eyes and his perfect hair, he got lucky. Now everyone in the belt believes he's a genius. Mm -hmm. And that is so exactly what it is. You know, Marco kept getting lucky. And because of that, everyone somehow thinks he's like a strategic genius. And that's usually how it goes, right? It's not necessarily like the person who plots everything out meticulously. It's the one who is seen getting the attention or getting the, the lucky shots or like the once in a lifetime opportunity. Those are the ones that stand out. And that's what happened. Marco got lucky with, you know, Ashford who by all accounts should have been able to take this guy out. Yeah. And cause he was a legend and he, he got lucky in that Philip got home from Mars in time and was able to, to corner Ashford. Or Ashford would have killed Marco so it had nothing to do with Marco being smarter than Ashford
1: he was lucky that Philip was there it even goes back further than that how did Marco get the Pella yeah he wasn't he just was given the Pella he's a puppet for a bigger player this story isn't completely unraveled yet so yeah, it might look like Marco is the hero of the belt, and the the free <laughs> navy commander, but he is nothing more than a puppet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there was also drummer's line, which was he's good at turning people into followers, because you know it's it's what the one thing Marco is good at is inspiring yes and not necessarily in a good way like inspire like you know i i use this as a as a reference all the time time magazine how they have their influential people they're not always a good like influential in a good way or the man of the person of the year isn't always the person of the year because of good they did They're the person of the year because they are the most newsworthy person. Um, Because certainly there have been people who were man of the year who were not man of the year because they did something good. Um, And so Marco inspires people, but maybe just, you know, with pretty words or, like, grand gestures and feelings. He's charismatic. He, he wants to win you to his side. He doesn't want you to go out and, and necessarily like do good or help somebody. No, he wants to you to join his cause and be on his side. He wants you to be with him. So like you have, for example, Holden, who inspired people to do good and to do right by their people just by what he did and what he said. But he didn't ask you to do it for him. You know, like in uh, season three, when he gets Ashford, you know, he's trying to stop Ashford from, you know, you know, blowing up the station and getting them all killed. And he's like, just for once, can we try some something else? And it inspires Clarissa to do something else and to go after Ashford instead of Holden, who was her target the whole time. Like there, there's the kind of inspiration where you just want people to do good or do better yeah. for themselves and for other people. I always love the dichotomy between Holden and Marco. Cause now you have Marco who does the same thing, but it's from a place of selfishness and not a place of selflessness. So he inspires you to join his cause because he doesn't like, we've already talked about helping belters isn't necessarily his primary thing. He wants to be the leader of the belt. He wants to be the one who liberates them. And not for them, for himself.
2: For himself, yeah. He's not doing it for the belt. And we already know that. We already see that with all his actions. And the fact that he's so, so still um, clinging to... Just that idea of like, I need to do this. Holden and Naomi. I need to fix this. I Mm -hmm. need to do things about these situations. He's in it for himself, not for the belt.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, I love that line from drummer because she's right. He is going to turning people into followers, not, not turning people into like better versions of themselves or turning people into one, you know, humanity. He's, he's going to turn people into followers of himself. So the, the fact that we have these two belters who both have worked with Marco in the past, you know, agreeing on this point that like, it's not about the belt. It's about following Marco is really interesting to see. And it brings us to this idea that drummer clearly wants to go after these supply depots. And sure. Maybe she needs the supplies for herself, yeah, but, you know, I feel like drummer is also has always cared more about the belt. She's tried she's almost died for the belt. She's tried to inspire the belt to to go to a new place and not for herself, but for the belt. and And she's also kind of been at times a foil to holden and and Marco. And so I can see her kind of the wheels turning. Like, oh, we can go for these supply depots. I can resupply my ship. There are people who are struggling. Like, Walker needs stuff. Like, there's a lot of gears that are turning in her head where she's like, these supply depots can be super useful. And there's a whole faction of people that are being either or killed by Marco. And we could work together. And, like, it's just so cool to watch her kind of do her thing while we're watching Marco do his thing. And how they're both completely different and yet still so similar.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So I'm interested to see where this goes. I can't wait to see Drummer have more to do. Like, she's, like, I see all these, like, really short snippets of her doing stuff. And I, I can't wait to see her actually do stuff. Like it's great to hear her talk about Ashford and talk about, you know, the Tynan. I love that line where it's like tough as a coffin nail and twice as sharp. Yeah I thought that was a great line. Like it's great to hear her talk about these things, but I can't wait to see her like out there being Kamina Drummer. You know? Being and we will leader.
2: see that. I think that yeah. they have given her so much screen time that she's bound to have such a nice send off. So I'm really excited yeah. about that yeah all right anything else about the uh drummer's faction i feel bad for Michio. too oh uh, yeah I've, i she's the actress is so expressive and like she's so like you just want to put her in
0: a little box and be like there there it's okay <laughs> i will say like because drummer has this new plan and i did love that where like she heard about the supply depot and she was like you know what Tour time now. I'll take you on tour. Um, Clearly, Michio might have gotten lucky. Because, like, it seems like the conversation of Michio going anywhere has been tabled. Because now she wants Walker, who was supposed to take Michio to somewhere safe. Now she wants to work together with him. Yeah. So, interested to see where this goes.
1: I think it goes back to the original um, theme of... They really didn't want to get rid of Micho in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now they can kind of fall back to that and have a a reason to keep her, which is, which is good. But uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks the damage is already done. Uh, They put that wedge in between Micho and drummer and um, Joseph. So uh, hopefully they can repair that. But I I think the, yeah, she's hurting at the moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: All right, so moving on
0: to the Zenobia. Heck yeah, UNN1, baby. <laughs> Monica overhears UNN leaders discussing a secret plan Avicerala has. Avicerala invites Monica to her quarters, but rather than telling her what's going on, she commissions her for a new project one that would focus on humanizing earthers who were suffering in the aftermath or had died in the attacks because monica will tell the truth and the stories that no one else will now i'm sure you know what i'm about to say i'm glad this storyline is still making it into the season uh the season's too short to give this to the person who is supposed to have it uh in the books but I'm I'm glad that, you know, I'm not sure how it's supposed to go uh, here because it's it's a little different than the books already. Um, but I'm glad it made it. And I really loved how like <laughs> Avicerala guilts her into it. Yeah. And then I, I, like Monica's just like, wow, you give a really good guilt trip. And, and <laughs> she, she I practice when I'm alone. I, I mean, she's it. also she's also a mother. <laughs> and moms can give really good guilt trips. Um <laughs> So I, I just really liked, you know, I love that Monica is like jonesing for whatever is going on right now. And like, we know what it is, obviously. It's the fact that they were hunting the Azure Dragon and that they had found it and captured it. But um, I just love Monica's just jonesing for this story. And when is like, I didn't invite you here to talk about that. And Monica's just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love them. I'm I'm having so much fun watching them interact. Like uh her getting threatened by Avacarla too is was, was still was great in the last episode, you know. So much fun. I'm having a lot of fun watching them. This is a, a team up I did not expect and did not expect to enjoy so much.
2: Yeah, and I think that this is a uh, interesting also because Monica, if she decides to take that position for Vasserala mm-hmm. for her secret plan, like she's going against what she normally does in terms of um just discussing world events and what's going on in the in the system um because she, she, what she says is that she's not about propaganda yeah. Like she has built such a quote-unquote fan base behind her a credible mm-hmm. fan base that she doesn't want to fall into that political aspect of things mm-hmm. um but i think it goes beyond that and and i think that it's really interesting that avasarala trusts her with this yeah um she does hold Monica to a high respect, and that's very important um and I mean, you could say that a little bit of what happened to Nilis is also a little bit of propaganda um, mm-hmm. but she touched so many people with her um with her coverage of it that she would be the best um person to take on this task.
1: Yeah, yeah. We also just need to keep in mind that the press corps is more than just one person. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're we're not seeing that side of the story. The press corps is probably, if I had to guess, as small as you know, ten or maybe as many as thirty, if not more. um, That would follow Avicarla around and broadcast the news and whatnot. So we're not seeing any of that part of the story. We're just seeing the um, this piece that they're sharing between Monica and. Avasarala uh, because of um, Everything that she's done in the past
0: Yeah and you know Monica is the perfect choice Not necessarily because again Avasarala wants propaganda But like like Andrew was saying She's a trusted news Source and so And she's trusted because she's Honest mm-hmm. and because she Doesn't hold back so When I believe Avasarala when she Says to her like I want you to do it because like you're the best person for the job and because you're so trusted because she already knows what to expect from Monica. She knows if she were to ask Monica to like censor herself, Monica wouldn't do it anyway. And that's what makes her perfect because you don't want the censored story. Like we just had a whole thing, like a whole two years of like vicious news cycles that were all about numbers and statistics and not about the pain that was actually being felt. Right. And so Avicorolla is not wrong. We've seen it happen, like when there is an, a a tragedy of just absolute incalculable scale. It's hard to kind of focus on the smaller stories that actually show how tragic it is. So by asking her, by saying to her, like the news only, like the not that the news only cares about the headlines, but the news can't focus on these things because of all these big things that are going on they they don't tell these little stories but you can And that's yeah, I, yeah independent Yeah so she can take the time to do those things and you know and I, the fact that Avicenna did guilt her by saying like you could have been the one to convince them not to kill us like I mean I, I preferred her line, like, I just want you to make it a little harder for them to kill us to her going, it could have it could have been you.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> uh, but she had a point like because Monica would never know if she said no, if humanizing. Victims was the right thing to do, yeah, and I'm sure Monica's gonna put her own spin on it. It's Monica. She never listens to anybody, and I love that about her so i'm I'm really looking forward to like seeing what she does and also like how she puts her own spin on what she's been asked to do. no, I agree i
2: this is a very interesting it can almost be like a conflict of interest <laughs> for mm-hmm. those two people working together um but yeah, I'm excited to see how she decides to approach this because she will have that liberty to do it her own way. Yeah. Um. All right. Is there anything else? This one was pretty short. There wasn't a lot of things going on. It's a setup to what's going to be happening in the next upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So now the final one. Laconia. Kara brings the bird home to her parents, who tell her there is nothing they can do for the bird, which has died on the way. Um, They need to leave for a colony meeting, and they tell her and her brother to stay home. Kara takes their drone and tells her brother not to follow her. As she tries to get the babies back in their nest, the drone breaks. She cries at her mistake and the strange dog returns. She begins digging a hole to bury the bird, but the dog takes the bird and leaves. So I found this very interesting because there is, so Kara feeds the bird in the first episode, and that's the reason why the bird dies. So there must be something in their biology that prevents them from having that food that Mm -hmm. a, a human or a belter or a Martian can consume and there is that guilt mm. what,
0: what are I, was, you... I, I love that you, you you differentiate belters and martians from humans i see how oh, sorry is. sorry <laughs> i meant
2: earthers not she's human. an earth
0: she's a racist from earth
2: <laughs> no sorry i thought i i said earth i knew what you meant <laughs> i just thought it was very funny i just love the way you said it. i couldn't help but laugh you racist. were so confident i know um so anyways so there is guilt in the way that she's dealing with the loss of this bird. She has just let, killed the mother of uh, the little ones, um, so she's trying to make things right. Um, and it's interesting because the uh, the dog distracts her just enough so that he's able to take the mama bird away. Um, and obviously, I mean, it looks like it's food for the for the dog at this point. <laughs> in the scariest of natures, the, the Tyrannosaurus rex are coming.
0: Yeah. There was, um, when her parents are talking, there's this really interesting thing going on in the background where her parents say um, that that there, there's something, they like that thing that's up in orbit. We have nothing to do with that thing. And also like not being told what's going on back home. And Kara gets really upset and she says, this is home. Yeah. And you know, to her it is, and it makes sense, but it also makes you wonder like, what could the adults be thinking? Like if they're completely cut off from the soul system and clearly that's a concern for them. Um, and that they're hoping will get addressed at this meeting they're supposed to go to, but this is all stuff that's going on in the background. So like, you're not paying attention. You could miss those details. So it's, it's always good to make sure you're listening to background conversations. um, But there's also a lot else going on. You know, she almost gets run over when she's running back. Um, You know, when she gets home, her brother wants to go with her parents. They say no. And then when she leaves, her brother wants to go with her and she says no. And there's like a lot, lot like there's interesting dynamics going on here. I also love the note on the drone that says like, Kara, this is not a toy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <I> <laughs> like, mean, she technically was not using it as a toy, though. Like she, she was trying to be trying to save lives. Exactly.
0: Um, and I just, I tried not to laugh, but when the strange dog took the bird, I did laugh. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yikes!" He did her. He did it. Um, so there's like a lot of intrigue going on, on Laconia between. Whatever, whatever reason that Laconia is keeping these people cut off, whatever the spaceship is supposed to be, uh, what the strange dog is, uh, wh- why it takes the bird. I mean, you want to assume it's going to eat the bird, but, like, why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, because he seems very curious about Kara. Like, he's very curious about her. Um, but also kind of like hesitant, like it make it makes you wonder what like is going on in that thing's head. But there's just a lot going on on Laconia and a lot of intrigue. I'm curious to see how it breaks down over the next episodes.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it feels like we're gonna get little snippets here and there. But um, I'm I'm excited and cautious about how this story is gonna turn out because again, we're in episode two. Already, we have four more episodes to go. Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> Daisy Jennifer. has something to
2: say. Yeah, Daisy. Uh every single time you talk about we talk about Laconia, she's like, you know, I have opinions.
0: Maybe she is the strange
2: dog. <laughs> Maybe she she is most definitely a strange dog. Oh yes, she is. <laughs> All right. Anything else about Laconia or this episode that we want to discuss?
1: So just a little food for thought before we, mm. we break away And we have the the ending credits um, Laconia, those strange dogs um, We are calling them a dog because they look like a human Or sorry, a human An earthbound dog um, Maybe they are the humanoid of Laconia
0: Oh, shit Hey, we've been calling these people dogs
1: <laughs> So just because we... Up bipedal, and we are what we are, doesn't mean Stop that life them. Would, would evolve the same on another planet.
0: I, I and I also say because Kara says it, Kara said, Hey, you look like a dog, so I'm gonna call them dogs because that's what she said. I don't know anything else about them. maybe it's the Laconian version of humans, maybe, yeah. maybe we're just being rude. Yeah. <laughs> I also had some food for thought. I forgot to mention this in the Pella storyline. I wrote it down. If you listen very carefully to the uh, last transmission from the Azure Dragon, you can hear him say, the Mickeys are boarding. Or mm-hmm. the Dusters. The Dusters. Marco has no idea who took down the Azure Dragon. Yeah. And I cannot wait for him to find out.
2: Yep. He's going to be so mad. Because mm-hmm. I don't really think that he knows the Rossi is a former Martian... Or a Marine, sorry, Martian Marine
0: ship, yeah. Well, I, feel like, I feel like everybody marine. knows. Marine, would it be Marine? It would not be Marine. The it's Navy. a Marine gunship. I, yeah, I was going to yeah. let you go. Because I I just... you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, okay. But I think it's hard to say, too, because, like, the Rossi is the most famous ship flying uh, that isn't, like, tied to anybody. And Holden did uh, get sued for the ship or whatever. Like everybody knows each other. They were gonna the Mar- we're Mar- 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 gonna take that ship back. So it's hard to say, but it is it's it is just salvage. It is legitimate salvage. You're right, Fred. Um, but it is interesting that like <laughs> this guy like sees the ship coming and he's just like ah, it's the dusters. And then Mark is like, ah, the Martians are, are, are finally doing something, and it's like, No, they're not. That's not <laughs> the Martians. That's your enemy, bruh. So I'm very interested to see what happens when he finds out. Because I, I love watching him get his feathers ruffled. It's very and funny.
2: There will be a lot of ruffled feathers, I believe. There's going to be
0: feathers all over the when floor. When he finds <laughs> out
2: that Holden is still up his butt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's so, like, you know, in, um, is it Mean Girls? It's like, oh, my God, why are you so obsessed with me? Like, <laughs> Holden just, like, <laughs> drinking his coffee, like, oh, my God, why is he so obsessed with me? That's I didn't do much. anything. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's going to happen.
0: Yep. Hello, everyone. It is Editing Shannon here with some social media responses. Over the last week, we asked you guys to let us know what you thought of episode one and also what you were looking forward to from episode two. So I got a bunch of those answers together, and here's what we got. So Kittle on Twitter said... I love the opening at Laconia and seeing what happens next on Laconia may be tied with what I also want to see in 602, which is Avasarala's brilliant plan revealed. Jerry Skektek said, I loved the A Day in the Life of a discontented Philip and look forward to seeing what happens to him after he did what he did to his best bud, Yohan. Christian Swagirl, and I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. That is definitely not a name I see every day. Uh, on Twitter, said, Lingering thoughts. They are as exhausted as we are after yet another pandemic year. Fair. Favorite scenes, a naturalist girl, Joanne Vanicola, who plays Sundrani. And of course, every second with Cara G. Hope for the Expanse, 602. Much improved team spirit on the Rossi. I think we're all with you, Christian. Vladimir Miller, Vochara, on Twitter, said, The most... Unique aspect, aspect of The Expanse is a depiction of space combat. Don't get me wrong, there are many great things in this series, but I read a lot of sci-fi and I always thought, you can't do it on the screen. And then there was The Expanse, which I think a lot of us feel that. So it's nice to kind of commiserate about that. Couple of replies from Jereomi Girl on Twitter. We've got, I don't know whether to admire Naomi's patience with Holden or to despair. Run, girl, Run. <laughs> My heart bleeds for all the women. Philip and Marco are annoying. I don't want to see much of the two. I can't stop thinking about Naomi. This poor girl has to deal with a chick who tried to kill her and Holden who has a talent to endanger them all after everything she's been through. My favorite scene was when she told her captain to shut up and come in. Second, when she told Amos to find another place. I hope to see her and drummer reunited soon to support each other and rip Marco's behind off. I already cursed once in this show. And I think that's the limit. (laughs) So uh, also that drummer finds a safe space for Micho and can rearm. I want to hear what Christian's plans are. We've got from Blue Cat, Maria Maya. Uh, Other than a slobbery, I love it. I love it. I can't break it down to a single tweet. From Edward Kane, S kicks 247. I'm rather intrigued by the Zenobia. She looks cool, dot, dot, dot for a UN ship. And then from No Wellwala K, or Seda Veritas, I love how Naomi didn't let Clarissa off the hook for murdering the, all them folks trying to get to hold him. So lots of really interesting opinions. Uh, we, we really love hearing from you guys. So please, 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 if you see those tweets asking for your thoughts on The Expanse, send them in. We're probably going to read them on the show because we love to kind of add to the conversation and have that conversation with you guys. It's a shame we can't do it the way we normally would uh, with things the way they are in life and, and things like that. But I'm still here to make sure your thoughts get heard on our show just the way we like it. Friendly reminder, last week they revealed that we are getting a Telltale game, The Expanse, about the adventures of Kamina Drummer, supposedly from before the events of the television series. So there you go. That's exciting. Uh, Leviathan Falls has been out for a while we can't talk about it yet on the show because my co-hosts haven't had a chance to read it but I was I was a mess so there's that Um, not much other Expanse news really going on as as far as I'm aware Uh, I'm kind of doing this on the fly before my dog realizes that I'm you know here and (laughs) starts barking again so I just want to thank you guys so much for engaging with us Uh, We'll be reaching out soon lol to ask you your thoughts on 602. Uh, I am recording on Thursday the episode releases in just a few hours so uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts and can't wait to share them on the show next week in our episode covering The Expanse 603. So again thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the outro.
2: All right, so that is it for the Azure Dragon. Um, So if there's nothing else for us to say, um, let us know how you felt about this episode. Obviously, it was jam-packed. Actually, I'm going to say that my favorite scene was um, that whole entire Rossi... Action shot, I loved oh, it. It was when, so beautiful.
0: Anytime the drive plume crossed the Rossi yeah. and you saw the, the heat on the ship, I forgot to mention that. That was gorgeous. You yes. were so right. That's the best scene that the, the CGI thing.
2: has been really beautiful so in this good. one. And I think that you said that that was one of your favorite moments in, um, in the story. Just they, saying
0: they never do a space battle wrong,
2: no, not at all. Uh, um, so. Let us know what you thought um, about the whole entire episode. Was there anything that you didn't know that we discussed, or was there something that we missed and you wanted to bring up to our attention? You can find us online. Email uh, us at typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also tweet us at the typebeam at Random Chatter. Um, you can find me on Twitter at KatzBears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z.
0: Um, Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me almost anywhere at ShankBeezy and Fred.
1: You can find me at tw- on Twitter at FreddyWonKenobi. That's F R E D D Y W O N Kenobi.
2: And you can also find our show and many other shows for your ears um, at randomchatter.com.
0: Nice. So you help us spread the word, you know, leave reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, It helps listeners decide if they'd like to listen to us or not. If you can't think of words to say, you can also just drop a rating. Ratings are also great. They help us get noticed a little bit more when you're searching for shows. You can also share us on social media. I share every single episode that we do on our Twitter account. We also, like, sometimes do personal posts. Uh, We post, like, um, what's the question? The questions. I was gonna say what's the questions because i knew the answer and i couldn't remember it uh we sometimes post questions for you guys to answer absolutely re- answer them and retweet them uh it helps us kind of get noticed but also makes it a little bit more fun to interact with you guys Uh, Also, word of mouth, always important, you know, tell any of your Expanse loving friends about us if they're looking for a new discussion podcast to listen to that they don't already listen to. We've been working hard for years and we love doing this and we'd love to get listened to by more people and have more friends to talk to. Friends are the best.
1: And some final housekeeping points here. The music that you hear in this episode is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller. And as silly as this sentence sounds, all trademarks are owned by their respective owners. So thank you for listening and remember the cat. Remember
2: Remember the the
0: cat.